Welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Podcast. Michael and Bill Travers bring it to you. Bill, I have too much energy for the lowly end of the Patriots season, but how are we doing? Doing good. Doing good. How are you? Uh, let me start this off by saying already sick of Brady talk. Uh, I listened to Fugger Mass today for approximately 30 minutes and had to shut it off because it was the entire thing was about Brady. Maybe it was the wrong time for me to listen. I don't know, but I'm sick of it. I'm already sick Your of it. Your entire thing has been about Brady for the last two years. I don't point. know why that should good be point. a surprise. Good point. Excellent point. Uh, obviously, with the end of the uh, Patriots season and uh, the in the heat here of the Celtics season, we felt it would be a good idea to bring in our right Celtics and Patriots writer, Derek McVeigh, who we know his love for Marcus Smart. So, uh, Derek, how's it going? Not bad. Happy to be here. I know firing the Marcus Smart salvo right out of the no, gate. No, 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 no. We we say we save it. We save the Marcus Smart banter for later. But I just need to make sure that we preface it early so that way people know they can. You know, it's, it's called a tease. You know, so that way they know it's coming. They have to listen or fast forward into the episode to find it that way. So, but anyway, Patriots season is over. Uh, embarrassingly over, uh, arguably. Uh, Derek, I want to get your thoughts right away, just right off the right off the bat of the the playoff game. I mean, it, it, and if anybody could find a positive, I feel like it would be Derek. So, like, let me hear let me hear your thoughts on the on the on the performance up in Buffalo on on last Saturday night. I think the one positive is that it's over. <laughs> Man, I mean, that was not, not that was point. probably as as bad as a game I've seen them play in a, in a spot like that. Like they've had some you know stinkers before, but in a big spot like that in a big game to not even compete was was stunning i mean the, the ultimate result like losing in buffalo is nothing to be ashamed of like i don't know if i expected them to win but i did not expect them to go down the way they did and i think it just hammers home what we were seeing the last month of the season and that they need some significant personnel changes specifically on that defense bill your thoughts well i agree with derek i can't ever remember any football game college, pro, high school, where a team has scored a touchdown on every single possession. I mean, they couldn't even hold them to a field goal. It was just pathetic how bad they played on the defense. But I'll I'll give you one positive that I saw was on how Mac Jones continued to compete, even when the score was out of whack. He didn't shrink to the moment. And And I'm looking at what Kyla Murray did on Monday night against the Rams and how he totally pooped his pants in that game. And you didn't see that. If, if you went into that and you didn't know who the rookie was, you would think that the rookie was Kyla Murray based on his performance in a playoff game. So if I'm going to, if you're looking for any positives, I would say that's what I would take from that game is the way Jones continued to compete. 
I guess that I guess that's a, a a good point. I guess. I mean, I I don't know if there's really. I, I mean, you're like really searching for a positive there because I don't think I don't think there were really any good takeaways from from that game. Um, well, you asked I, for a positive. No, I know, I know, and I, I thought Derek would have one, and I'm actually I'm actually happy that I've 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 uh, influenced him enough that the good part was that the game was over. Um, I don't care about the positives. I don't like the positives. Give me all the negatives. But but the the the, the craziest part to me isn't necessarily Derek's right. It's not necessarily that they lost. It's it's. I mean, by how much, obviously, but it was just like it was just the, in the the way that they lost. They just they looked they didn't look ready. They look like you expect the Cowboys not to come out ready, and that happened. And then, but but you don't expect that from a from a Patriots team, especially not a Belichick team. They just didn't look ready right from the jump. Should we have expected that though? Because that has been the trend over the last four or five weeks of the season. I still would have thought that they. I have thought, which is which is always dangerous, but I, I have thought that they were just kind of coasting through the, through the, the last part of the season. Not intentionally. I don't think like, I feel like that they, they like, they, they knew they were going to get into the playoffs. They probably weren't going to beat the bills for the, for the division. And maybe they were just kind of packing it in and they were going to turn it up when it came to like, especially that defense. I thought the defense was going to, was going to turn it on and be more of the defense that you saw in the middle of the season. Because you remember the defense looked bad to start the season too. And, but but it in the middle of the season they figured it out and then maybe they just peaked too early and it was not a not a not a, a it was it was just ugly I don't think there's any other word for that game other than the fact that it was just ugly and it was unexpected. So the question is, were either of you surprised? I mean, yeah, we were surprised by how badly they got beaten, but were any of you surprised that it was a double digit loss? I mean, double digit, yeah. no. I mean, See, I, I, I could have saw them losing by like ten or so, but thirty. I'm, I'm surprised at double digits. I thought, I thought. So what I honestly thought they should have done, and I realize that this is not how the NFL is anymore. Although someone did it, I think it was Pittsburgh did it. If they had won the toss, I think they should have taken the ball. I really, 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 truly believe that because if you win the toss, you take the ball, and then you can you have the first possession, you can get a lead, you can control the clock. You, and, but they, they they didn't. First of all, they didn't take the ball, but they. Uh, they also couldn't control the clock. They could. I thought it would be more like the game that was in Buffalo. I realized that they weren't going to run 50 times or whatever it is, whatever it was. But I felt like the game was going to be more like that. And then the and then the Bills came out and just were doing whatever they wanted. Like it, the the entire the entire first half, the Bills did whatever they wanted, and it and, and it didn't matter what the page, what looks they gave. It just didn't matter. It didn't matter. I don't understand how you can't QB spy Josh Allen or how you don't QB spy Josh Allen. I don't because they understand. don't have the speed to do it. I don't. I, then, then use two guys. I, I don't understand. I really, really don't understand how how you. They have no running game. The Bills have no. Let me rephrase. The Bills have no running backs. Their run game is Josh Allen. Every single time that that guy gets the ball, what is he doing? Five step drop, three step drop, seven step drop. He's dropping back. You know that every single time he gets the ball. And if he's got nothing downfield, guess what he's going to do? Run. They don't have a back. And it, it it seemed like that the Patriots defense didn't realize that Josh that Josh Allen was a mobile quarterback. And that bl- that blew my mind. That that was the, the first thing I noticed. The first drive. I want to say it was like the third or fourth play of the game. He dropped back and he had 25 yards to run down the field because nobody was watching him. There wasn't there was there was no linebacker set back to watch him. There was nothing. There was no QB spy in that game. Yeah, they definitely were undisciplined in their assignments. If somebody did have that assignment to spy him and I, I or to fill gaps, and that's some, that's a trend that had been going on for the second half of the season. Look, and I, I, and it I seems under- like since the bye week that that's been a problem for them. Is suddenly the defense just broke down? And, and how many times you talked about getting the ball when if they won the toss? 
they needed to do that just so the other team didn't score on their first drive that's and what, immediately put them in a seven nothing hole. That's what I'm saying. That's what teams used to do to them. Teams used to do that to them in the playoffs. They'd win the to- they'd win the toss. They take the ball because they didn't want to give it right to Brady. How do you? I, it, 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 that was aggravating, and I had forgotten about that point until I started talking about it, and I started getting worked up. But it, it just it just seemed like they they it almost looked like they prepared for a different quarterback. Like they didn't realize they were playing the Bills, and they they prepared for a different quarterback. Well, they played them twice before in the previous five six weeks. It didn't help. So you know you you talk about the marks of a Belichick team and all of that. They peak towards the end of the season, and that's when they play their best football. Yada yada yada. We didn't see any of that this year. None of that. It went the exact opposite direction. Yeah, I, it, it's it. Well, not really, because I guess they peaked in the middle. You know what it was? It was that extra game. That extra game screwed him up. Well, you look That's back at was. Belichick's record in November and December, and it's ridiculous. And and this year they were below five hundred in December. Yeah, they peaked. Were they one in one in four in December. We'll the, we'll roll January into that because the, the season went a, a weekend later this year. Since the bye, what were they? One right. in four? Truth yeah, and their only win was Jacksonville, so I mean, right. does that really count? Right. Yeah, that's true. That's a good I mean, point. You take that Jacksonville win out, and you take out the one where they put up 50 against the Jets, and look at the differential in points, and i got to believe it's it's it could be a negative. I didn't I haven't done the math, but I've got to believe it. It could be you know close to even, if not a negative, if you take those two games out. Throughout the whole season? Yeah. No. Throughout the whole season. No, 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 no. They beat the Panthers big. They beat the. They shut out the Falcons. No, 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 no. I don't. But they don't, didn't put up a ton of points. They put up twenty something in both of those games, didn't they? Which, which is not a ton of points. They shut out in the NFL know. today. I'm trying to figure it out here. But going going back to the game, yeah, they gave up a touchdown on the first drive. The Browns. Like they beat they the Browns forty five to seven. They beat the Falcons. They went through a span where they gave up thirteen points in three games. Yeah, during during the, the Mirage run. November. When, when yeah. they just got the, the slew of teams that were dealing with different issues. Yep. And they just ran right through them. Yep. But you talk about the, the start of the game and them giving up a touchdown on the first drive. They look like they were driving to score a touchdown when they got the ball. And then you had that great interception by Micah Hyde in the end zone, which was just a great play. That changed the whole complexion of the game right there. I think that, that burst their bubble. And then Buffalo goes back and scores a touchdown. After getting the ball back, and now once again you're down 14 to nothing in the first quarter. Yeah, now you have to throw the ball, and that's not that's exactly what you did not want to do throughout the whole game was throw the ball. They still tried to run the ball. Was the thing they still tried to yeah, we, the we, running game. You still had time. You could have used the running game, and they did try it. But they just this the mark of this team all year long was they couldn't go on sustained drives. They couldn't. How many times this year did we see them go on an 80 yard touchdown drive? Never. Just didn't ha- just didn't happen that often. Unless you were playing the Jets or the Jaguars. Yeah, and they but... don't have the big play capability either. Like They don't have those home run hitters, so when they're down big, it takes them a while to get back into it. You know, they can't, they don't have those two-play 30-second drives where they get, you know, a 50- or 60-yard play. They just don't have those playmakers. And even if you did have that, your defense wasn't stopping anybody. Right. So, Yeah. It was. I just. I think the whole game, the right from right from the start, it just it went in the wrong direction because because you, you you had to run. You obviously. I mean, I feel like they proved that all they had to do was run the ball. They proved that that they needed to control the game. They needed to control the clock. They needed to control. They needed to keep Buffalo's offense off the field. 
They prove right. that. Wh- which you do when you have a lead. Like, that's what I'm saying. The that's what I'm saying. Off the field. That's but what I'm when saying. you're immediately down to start the game. Well, when you when you prepare when you prepare to play Ben Roethlisberger and then you play against Josh Allen and then and then and, and then your offense can't figure it out in the first three drives of the game. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Realistically, what I was going to say the the, the the most shocking po- the most shocking part of me about this entire game was that it was probably the worst game of the weekend. I did not see that coming in. I did not. I did not think that would happen. I understand the Rams Cardinals game was ugly, but I still think that game was more entertaining than watching this Patriots game. I think this this Patriots game was the worst game of the whole weekend, in my opinion. Maybe that's because I'm a Patriots fan ish, but it's I I think it was the worst game. The the hardest game the, to watch. It's one of the few times where I've turned a game off. Like I think after after Jones second interception right out of the coming out of the half. Uh, and then Buffalo went down and scored. They went up 30. Turned it off and watched the Celtics. It's like there's no way this team wow. is coming back. Yeah, no, you're you're, you're and it, it arguably just got worse from there. Yeah, but, but yeah, no. It, at, that, it, it, at that point for me, it was like when you drive by a really bad car accident on the highway, <laughs> and you just you just have to look at it. Yeah, it it, it was just it just I, I don't know. Like it felt like all the other games were entertaining, even the blowouts, even the 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 Bucks game was entertaining to watch, and 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 the. The Rams game was entertaining to watch, and but this game, like it was the the worst game. I mean, I I didn't see that coming. Did either of you? No. Blow out of that proportion? No. Yeah, it's it's, no. it's 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 unbelievable. So I guess the biggest question, or I guess now, do we talk about? I don't remember. Did we talk about this last week, Bill? Where we said, well, how did they do on the season, or do we want to wait till after the, after they their playoff run ended? I I think we said we'd wait till after the playoff run was okay. ended. So overall. The uh, ten and what they finished ten and eight, ten and seven, ten and seven for the regular season. Ten and seven for the regular season. Ten and seven, and then and then getting bounced in this wild card round. Overall, as as the season as the season complete, Jesus, as the season has been completed, what is your overall grade of the, the Patriots for this year as a, as a full team, not individuals, not uh, coaching or 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 offense or defense as a team as a whole man it's it's really hard to because i'm i mentioned this i wrote an article about this about like resetting expectations for this team because at the start of the year i think a lot of us agreed that they would be in this 9 10 10 win range fighting for a playoff spot and they'd be playing on wild card weekend and that was the goal right if they get into the playoffs it's a successful season with a rookie quarterback and a bunch of new guys but Man, where they were a month ago and like in at the number one seed and controlled their own destiny in the division and then to just face plant that last month. I still think it's there's some success to this season just because, you know, getting back to the playoffs and Mac Jones obviously grew a lot and it's, it's going to help his development moving forward. But uh, I'd give it like a maybe a B minus C plus just because of how things unfolded, whereas if it was. 10 and 7, and they were kind of like up and down throughout the year and kind of treading water, I'd probably give them a better grade. But I think just where they were a month ago until how the season finished, it kind of hampers the, the way I look at it. Bill, your, your grade? Yeah, I'm probably in the same range as Derek. I was thinking about it the same way coming into the season based on what happened last year with Cam Newton and missing the playoffs for the first time in forever. You would have taken a 10 and 7 season with a wild card. And even even losing in the wild card round, you would have taken that. Um, I, I have a different take on the run that they made in the middle of the season. I, I I think that was more of a mirage than anything else. 
even then I was I was dubious about it. And if we had recorded a podcast, I would have said that at the time. You know, I just wasn't buying into the fact that they could potentially go to the Super Bowl or even get a number one seed. I just there was just signs that I was seeing from the team, like stupid things like, you know, having a having a delay of game penalty coming out of a timeout and too many men on the field and getting punts blocked. That just wasn't wasn't what I'm used to seeing from the Patriots and from a Bill Belichick coach team. So those were the red flags that I was seeing even even through the good run. You, know, you were just playing teams that were down on their luck at their time or, or getting them at the right time. So I, I wasn't buying into all of that. But overall, I, I agree. There were some positives that came out. And if you're just going to take it in a vacuum looking at last year and comparing where we thought they would be, it was pretty much where it was. So, yeah, I'll give them a B-. minus. See, that's the thing is that I, I, I feel like you're both being, you both are being pretty tough. Tough. I like it. I, I respect it. I like it. But I think you're being a little tough because I feel like at the beginning of the season we we all said this team makes the playoffs. It's 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 a it's a pretty successful season, which is an argument for a different, which is an argument that I've had a lot. Is it, is is it a successful season if you make the playoffs? And but but that was the that was the that was the goal for this team. With like Derek said, with the rookie quarterback, the goal was to make the playoffs. It was just it it's it's interesting on like. Coming into it, that that was a good season, and and now it's like, well, that's really that wasn't good enough because of the way that they did it. Because well, of the a B way minus is still looked. a good grade. Yeah, better grades. It's, than not, I got, it's not like we're giving them C minuses or D pluses. It's still a good grade. No, but I would, I would, I mean, I would say that it's got a. It, I would, I would bump them up a little bit there. Solid B, I would say. I would say it. it de- actually, I would say it probably depends on 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 individual breakouts. But whatever. Overall, I would say it's a so- pretty solid B. Because I think that they were fighting for the division. I realized that they choked it away, but they were fighting for the division. I don't think I expected that. I mean, they, they pretty much ended up exactly where I expected them to end up. Second in the division, get a wild card, and then see what happens. They got a little unlucky with having to play the Bills for the third time in six weeks, in my opinion. But but I think that, I mean, I'm not saying that they would have fared any better against the Chiefs or the or the, or the Titans or, or whatever. But, I mean, you got to remember that if the Bills had their... Almost just almost just dropped the bad word. If the Bills had their stuff together, they they would have been the number one seed. They, they, they so I mean it, I feel like it kind of happens to everybody that that they kind of go through it. You're just not used to seeing it as a Patriots fan. You're used to it being you know a finely tuned or you're seeing it in the first four weeks of the season is really when you see it. You don't see it you don't see it throughout the whole course of the season. But you can't I mean don't forget the Bills lost to the Jaguars Jaguars Jets. They lost to somebody bad. Jaguars yeah. They lost to somebody bad. So I, you know, if if the Bills had taken care of their stuff, I mean, they got blown out by the Colts. They lost to the Jaguars. They taken care of that stuff. They're the num. They're your number one seed. I think the Bills are better than what we give them credit for because it's the Bills. Because everybody looks at the Bills as the joke franchise and the like. In in, in the, the you know the the AFC East is so bad, so all the teams in the AFC East are bad except the Patriots. And I don't think that's the case anymore. The Bills well, are better. Went to the team AFC than you. Championship game last year, no, so I'll say they they underperformed. The Bills I, I underperformed. 100% agree. And I think, I, and like I said, I think the Patriots got a little unlucky, but they they ended up exactly where I figured they'd end up. And I said, may, I, I, if I remember correctly, I said maybe they steal a playoff game, but I don't really expect them to be able to go into Kansas City or into. I don't even think I said Tennessee. I probably said into Buffalo at the time and and, and steal a game. So I think they ended up exactly where where, where I, I thought they were going to be, and I don't I don't see how I can grade them negatively because they didn't perform in the middle of the season because they i mean at the end of the season because they did perform in the middle of the season they beat some good teams in my opinion 
They had some well, good I think games. coming into the season, we were looking at all the free agents that they added in the offseason. We were looking at a rookie quarterback, not knowing how he was going to perform. So I think the the 10-7 and 7 record probably came a lot out of that, thinking all the free agents were going to carry the rookie quarterback. I think it kind of went in the opposite direction, not saying the rookie quarterback carried the team, but he performed far better than we hoped he would or we thought he would. And I don't think with the exception of Judon in the early part of the season and occasional flashes from Bourne and Hunter Henry, that any of the other free agents really played up to that level that we were expecting. John U. Smith was a disappointment. He was, he was almost a, a total non-factor in the season. So the free agents really didn't deliver the way we would, but Jones played better. So it all averaged us out, averaged out and they still ended up 10 and seven. Yeah. And they, they, they improved from the season before. Now their roster was better. But they 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 improved from the season before. And I think I think actually let's, I'll let Derek I'll let Derek talk. The free you talk about the free agents and obviously it was Aguilar, Bourne, Judon. Oh my God, Smith, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry. Uh, Those were the big names. So the five big names that they brought in. Derek, your thoughts overall on the uh, on the free agent class that came in here. Man, it's. I, I think it's disappointing, and I like Matthew Judon was amazing for the first you know seven eight games or whatever. I mean, people were talking about him as defensive player of the year, and he just disappeared the last half of the year uh, as the competition got better. I mean, he was a non-factor, um, and I just wonder, like watching him, especially in those Bills games, I wonder if he is not so much. And if you look at his snap counts in the playoffs in the playoff game, I wonder if he's not an every down player, if he should just be out there on passing situations because teams aren't afraid to run right at him. He can't cover. I wonder if he's like a, a pass rushing specialist and that's a lot of money to pay for a guy for, you know, just to, to pass rush. Um, born, born was up and down. I mean, I think he was, I think he was solid. I wasn't expecting a ton out of him. I didn't know a lot about him. I think he turned out to be probably their second best receiver behind Jacoby Myers. Um, Hunter Henry, you know, was a a red, great red zone threat at a lot of touchdowns. You know, the the yards and and catches weren't um, you know up to where they have been in the past with him. But I think with more time with Mac, that'll that will come, and I think that's going to be a good you know good connection moving forward. Obviously, Jonu Smith was disappointing. I wonder if the Pats aren't just aren't using him properly, and they need to just try and get the ball in his hands more kind of the way San Fran uses Debo Samuel and just like line him up all over the field, just put the ball in his hands and let him try and make a play. Um, so I think overall they're, they're pretty disappointing when you think about the money that was spent on them. Yeah. I don't, I, I think, I think the Smith thing, I don't know if lining him up all over the, I mean, maybe that's, that's how he was utilized in Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Pittsburgh. Mm, no, I'm thinking, I'm Pittsburgh. thinking of the wrong guy. Who am I thinking of? Who played? Who's the big? Who's the big tight end that played in Pittsburgh? I think it was Johnny Smith. Me. I think it, I think it was Johnny no. Smith, wasn't it? He's from Tennessee. No, he was in Tennessee. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. I can't think of who. I don't even, anyway, uh, there's a there's a there's a bigger Clark? who? Clark? No, no. I think it was another tight end who played for Tennessee, and then and then he went to Pittsburgh, and that's I was I was confusing the two. He's a bigger he's a bigger guy. Uh, I don't even know if he's still there, honestly. But anyway, I I think that the, I think the problem with with 
uh, Smith and Henry is they're both the same type of player. They're both kind of red zone threats. And I think that that's, that's, how they, that's how he was used in Tennessee. He was used as a red zone threat, but they also had Derrick Henry, so it was a little bit easier to, you know, to, to offset Jonu Smith. I mean, to, to help spread it out, spread the ball out when the whole, when the whole opposing team thinks that you're going to be running. Eric Ebron is who I was thinking of. And, uh, but that, that, that's what I think with Jonu Smith, that's what I think it was. And, and, I mean, you're right. Born, born, and 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 Hunter Henry are probably the two best for the season, and even they weren't really that impressive. I mean, it, it just, it just, there was high expectations, and I was very wrong about Aguilar. I thought that he'd be able to come here and and be a difference maker. Wrong. And um, same thing with 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 Judon. He was unbelievable for was it four or five game stretch, and then where'd he go? What happened to him? He only Derek mentioned his snap count in the playoffs. I, I think he only played in a third of the snaps. Well, maybe injury? in the playoff game. Injury? Well, question mark. From what I had read, they were not happy with what we talked about before was him handling his assignment and being out of position and not holding the gaps and like taking a route to the quarterback that takes him out and around and then the quarterback just runs right underneath where he came from. So that they were upset about that and in the playoff game, they put him in what they call packages. So when they played in certain certain situations, you think he could which slide? Which is not in, a good sign for your big money free agent. That isn't he? Bringing it isn't season. he quick? He's a, he's a quicker, quicker. He's a he's a he's a linebacker, right? Outside linebacker, D end, outside linebacker, something like right, that. Right. Right. You could slide him to the middle thought, and have him QB spy. I thought so, and you know, I, I, this is a perfect tease. I actually have an article coming out um, probably. In the next couple of days, just about their their defense and how they need to kind of overhaul it for next year. And there was a play, might have been the third play of the game, where Josh Allen picked up 26 yards. He dropped back, no one was open. He rolls out, and it's him and Judon one on one, and he just makes like this ever so slight juke and just blows by Judon and just makes him look so slow. That's the exact same play him. I think I'm t- I was talking about earlier. Yes, yeah, the first drive. Yep. And then yep. two plays later he did the same thing to Hightower on the other side of the field and I'm just like, wow, these guys are slow. Yep. Yeah, they did uh they, they they yeah. Yeah, they they need they need some sort of like who's the the Parsons? They need just let's let's just get a Micah Parsons in here. Let's get someone like that who can rush, who can cover. Or I feel like uh, the linebacker. I mean, I hate to bring up Tampa Bay, but like Devin White. Devin White, yep. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Check oh, that. Um, the the Larry kid, Levante David, the kid from uh, the 49ers, the middle linebacker for the 49ers, Fred Warner, Warner, all over the mm-hmm. field, Darius Leonard, De- all over the field, and then you know Kyle Van Noy. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's just, I mean, it just, it, but it's crazy because it felt like at certain points that the that the defense was it was there it was figured out and then it just all of a sudden they just all just you know forgot how to play defense forgot but the they point were of playing it. lesser competition teams with less talent <sighs> does Ryan yes. Tannehill scare you like Josh Allen does no no does Baker Mayfield with a bad shoulder no. scare you like no so, but they did it to the Bills they did it to the Bills but you, you can't I understand the weather was bad I understand I understand I understand but you can't forget that the, the Bills offense didn't change for the for the last six weeks. It's the same players. They just didn't show up this time. They didn't show up. But when the Bills aren't scoring every time they touch the ball, which is what happened in the first game in Buffalo with Hurricane Force wins, that makes a huge – I mean, the Patriots – Bills scored one touchdown on a on a turnover, if I recall correctly. Was it a pick six? 
Or was it a fumble recovery? No, no, it was the block punt. It was a block punt. They scored on that. The tenth of the year. And, and it felt like the tenth of the year. The Patriots only had the one long touchdown run from Damian Harris in that game. I mean, what was the final score in that game? Fourteen to ten. It was not high. I think it was. I think it might have been. Thirteen to ten. Fourteen, thirteen, something like that. But uh, so I mean, I feel like I had one more question I wanted to ask about the game itself, and I for, and I forgot. So now I'm going to cycle back to the game. Do you give any credit to the Bills? Or how oh, much course. credit? How much credit are you giving to the Bills? Not do you give any credit because obviously you're giving credit to the Bills, but how much credit are you giving to the Bills as opposed to how much blame you're putting on the Patriots' defense? It seems. I think you have to put the blame on the defense. I don't think you can blame the off. I mean, obviously, more so than the execution. If you cannot, if you cannot so the Patriots would have had to have scored a touchdown every time they touched the ball to keep pace with what the defense was allowing. I'm not do you saying, think that's reasonable or sustainable? Well, I'm saying, are you, are you, how much credit are you giving the Bills' offense as opposed to blame on the Patriots' defense? Not the Patriots' offense, the Bills' offense. How much credit are you giving to Josh Allen for just dicing apart this team? Oh, I give him and, a lot of and credit. The, and, the, and, the, and the game, like, how much of it is that the Bills' offense was just that much better on this day than the Patriots' defense? You understand I mean, what I'm trying had to they, say? Had like, they put up in the high 30s and lost? You know, then, who, the Patriots? Yeah. I'm the, saying if the Bills had oh, put up oh. in the high 30s, then I wouldn't have put as much blame on the defense. But to not even hold a team to a field goal on a drive, how can we give the defense any credit? I'm just I was just asking the question if there was any well, they had to have answer. held them. They had to have held them to a field a field they goal. They did at some not. Point. They did not. Buffalo Buffalo had the ball seven times, scored a touchdown on every drive. They had seven third downs the entire game. That's insane. Seven possessions yeah. outside of like a kneel down to end the, you know, the the first and second half. Seven possessions, seven total third downs. That's ridiculous. They like they were just so comfortable in that game. The Patriots never put any pressure on them. They could do whatever they wanted to. Um and and quite frankly, they did it to to them a couple weeks before at, at Gillette. They didn't they didn't punt in that game either. They kicked a couple field goals. The one drive that didn't end in points was Emmanuel Sanders dropped a touchdown in the end zone. Like they moved up and down the field against them in in Gillette, you know, a couple weeks prior. So I think yeah. give the the Bills offense a lot of credit. I think it's just the, the talent gap. I don't know if it's credit or blame. I think it's just a discrepancy in talent. You know, I, I, it's crazy, but there are a lot of people who are taking the Bills to beat the Chiefs this weekend. That's like that's they, now that's, they did like, it already. That's I, no, I know, I know, I know. But the, but the, but that's that's how like that's. Did they beat him at Arrowhead though? Yeah, they did pretty, pretty soundly. Was it early in the season when the Chiefs were struggling? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Thirty-eight. Because the Chiefs 20. reminded me a lot this year of what the Patriots have been in years past. They came out of the gate, they struggled a little bit, then they got their stuff together and they just turned into a juggernaut. That's how they looked in that in their game in their playoff game. Yeah, they, they, it was like their season. It was a microcosm of the whole of of that game because they they did not look good, and then all of a sudden they just put up forty-two points. Yeah, you know, I was kind of like half touchdown. watching that game. <laughs> I looked up at one point and I saw they had 42 points. I'm like, yeah, I must have fallen asleep or something. There was, there was a, I, it just there was yeah, a time in just, that game it just got out of the, out of hand quick. Where it was like 40 yard pass to Hill, 40 yard pass to Kelsey, 20 yard pass to Kelsey, 15 yard pass. It was just like they were just gaining they were gaining yards in bulk and and then scoring touchdowns left and right. But I think Buffalo's had their Super Bowl. 
I, I would not be surprised if they got spanked by the Chiefs this weekend. See, I don't know if I buy into that anymore. I really, no, I really do. don't. I, do. I really, Buffalo really, really don't. Egg, I think the last time they beat the Patriots, didn't they lay an egg in the game after that? Yes, because that's when they gave up. That's when they gave the the Patriots back the the division. Because they had beat the Patriots, and the, oh no, yes, no, it was the, it, no, it was the game that they were supposed to win against the Jags, and that gave the Patriots the division. They lost to the they lost to the Bucks in overtime after they lost to the Patriots, and that's then, that's right. And you you guys keep talking, I'll find it. No, I, I'm looking at it currently. Oh. They lost. So when the, the, they beat when the they Patriots. Beat the Patriots. They beat in the Foxborough. They beat. What the, they do the following week? They beat the Falcons, twenty-nine to fifteen. Oh, that doesn't count. And then they beat, they beat the Jets. The that was the rest of their season. You're, I think okay. you're thinking of when they came off of, when they, uh, when they lost to the Colts, and then and when the, they lost to the Jaguars, then they beat the Jets, and then they lost to the Colts. They were kind of sputtering there, and they that basically gave them yeah. back, gave the Patriots the division, and kept them in the conversation. Then they lost to the Patriots, and then lost to the Bucks. Correct. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that was a tough. But even that game, that was an over. That was an overtime game. That was a Monday night game. That was an. That was an entertaining game, wasn't it? Or was it a Sunday night game? It was a prime the, time game. They lost an the overtime. Bills and the Bucks. Yeah. I think that was a Sunday night game. Sunday night game. Because they, they had played Monday night the weekend, the week before. Yeah, that was an entertaining game. Bucks won in overtime. I mean, it, I don't know. I think. I think the. I don't know if the Bills are are that same team where they're you know getting hyped up to play the Patriots. I think that they're for real. I think. I think that they're. They're a pretty damn good team. They're they're a good team, but I think they just have extra motivation when they play the Patriots because of what the Patriots have done to them over the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah, you're probably. I mean, not wrong. they were still throwing long passes even when they were up by forty in the game on last weekend. They were still. They just wanted to put their foot on the Patriots' throats and stomp the life out of them. I want to ask Derek the million dollar question. Your thoughts on Mac Jones? I thought, on on the whole, I thought he was about as good as you could have asked for for a rookie quarterback. You know, he he had some poor performances toward that towards the end of the season, and you know maybe they hit that that rookie wall or whatever. But I think I think he's their guy moving forward. I think you can win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones. Um, I love his his like his fight and his heart. Like you never see him get like discouraged where you know he has a couple bad possessions and it affects him for the rest of the game like we've seen him get off to poor starts but stick with it and you know catch fire late in games and you know the Colts game the the Dolphins game one of those Bills games uh the one in in Gillette where he kind of picks it up in the second half and gets the team back into it so I think he's got a lot of intangibles to like um obviously he's got a lot of growth and, and improvements to make um but I think I think they found their guy Do you think with time, I understand that he'll be able to learn offenses, learn defenses, learn looks, and be able to read defenses a little bit better. I understand that's something that comes with time, and I think he's smart enough to do that. I think that he probably has it in that way. But what about strength, arm strength? you have any concerns with, with his ability to throw the ball downfield or be able to, to, to hit an open window? Because I know Brady's not a big downfield guy, but Brady, Brady used to have the arm strength to hit, hit the windows. You see that same same type of play. I'm not comparing the two. Please don't. That's not what I'm saying. But... <laughs> But what? But I mean, like you know, if you're not able to throw the ball downfield, and the way that the Patriots' offense has been set up for the last 20 years, it's been quick slants, slots, slot receivers, slants, backfield screens, that kind of stuff, wide receiver screens. But you need to have a good arm to be able to get it there in time, be able to get the, the ball into the playmaker's hands and do it. 
Do you see that being an issue for him? I think it's too early. Obviously, that's one of his biggest weaknesses, but I think that's something that can he can improve with just proper, you know, strength training and and working out. I mean, he's still got the body of a college student. Like he's clearly not the most athletically gifted, uh, but I think with a couple off seasons in the Patriots like strength and conditioning programs, I think he can. You know, he may not get the elite arm strength, but enough strength um, to where it's you know he can make some of those tough throws and add a little little zip on the ball you know what my fear is with mac jones is that he's going to be one of those middling quarterbacks like i don't think he's ever going to be obviously he's never going to be like a patrick mahomes or an aaron Rodgers or um justin herbert even i would say is probably you know more athletically gifted and he's just going to be one of those middling quarterbacks and they're never going to give him the pieces that that he needs in order to succeed I think that that is that's that's something that because they haven't had to they've had Brady who's who's who was able to fill those kind of voids and I don't know that Mac is that that kind of player and I almost don't want everybody to fall in love with the tenacity and the Marcus Smartish type plays and being excited and never getting down and overlooking the fact that he might not quite have the talent and I, I I'm not saying that he doesn't I'm just saying like I think I think you're kind of right in saying it's a little too early and yes he can have you can have a head for the game and not be a good quarterback a talented quarterback does that make sense yeah it makes perfect sense so you don't you know, have the physical tools yeah so who's the who's the the, the offensive coordinator for the cowboys Kellen Moore. Moore. perfect example has a good head for the game didn't really have the physical abilities like does, does that kind of I, i'm not saying that's what mac is but I, I just that's that that is kind of my fear is that, you know, he's going to he doesn't have I mean, he doesn't have the physical skills of even like a Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield ha- wasn't able to figure it out for the league. And he came out was he number one pick, number two pick, something like that. Number one pick. Yeah. And he's got more physical ability than Mac. Now, I understand it's not the same. Yeah, but he's a meathead. About, I understand it's the system. I understand it's the coaching. I understand all of that. I'm just worried that the, I'm I'm worried that at some point that position needs physical talent. And I. I haven't figured out exactly where the balance is, but to me, you look around the league right now, the teams that are left, what do they all have in common for the most part? They have good quarterbacks. Talented, it's a quarterback league. Talented quarterbacks. It's a quarterback league. Not There's necessar- no doubt about that. Not necessarily. I mean, maybe Garoppolo. I, I'd throw Tannehill. I don't know if, how talented he is. Yeah, yeah you know, no, you, that's you, a good point. You say that, but they, they, he's just won. He just keeps winning. I mean, look at the tools he has around him. So you see my point. So right. you see my point. Is, are, are they going right. to give that to Mac? Do you, I mean, do you think Tannehill or Mac Jones is a more talented quarterback? I think I think Tannehill is more talented. Raw talent. At this time. Raw, right. I mean, right even, now, even, this point even in coming career. into the league, I remember Tannehill had a big arm, and he was a, he was a, he was a big. He, he was, was a number a, one draft pick. Yeah, he like not a number one pick, but I mean, he was a first round draft pick. And and so I just I just I just worry about the. The talent. I understand the brain. I understand the understanding the game, and I understand that can come. It's just it's it's the it's the talent, and I'm afraid because I I mean you can argue when Brady came in he didn't have the talent. Like that's the comp. Like it, it like that's the comp. That, that that's the crazy part is that's the comp for Mac right now. That's the type of that's the type of quarterback he needs to become. But does he have does he have that even that talent? 
that's not something we're going to know for a couple of years. I understand that. It's, and that's what I'm saying is that I, I, I mean, that, he's your guy my... for at least the next couple of years. You got to, you got to ride him. Well, yeah, cause he's, 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 uh, he's cheap money and you'll, you should be able to build around him. If you're going to do it, you have to do it relatively soon. Right. He's going to be cheap. Pay him the big money. Correct. What, Correct. what I'm afraid of is he going to turn into the next Mark Sanchez or some of those other guys that we've seen come into the league and have success early. And then once other teams figure them out, stop them and, they can't adjust. So is he going to be that guy who can adjust to what teams are going to be throwing at him? That's where the mental aspect comes in. That's where I think he can do it. I, I agree. But will I, he? Will he get to that elite level, or is he going to be a Kirk Cousins? That's perfect. Or, perfect. You know, perfect. Kirk Cousins has more physical ability than he does, though. But that's a different. Yeah, story. but I mean, is is that is that the like if Andy you Dalton, to Chris, Chris Gasper? Yeah, Andy Dalton's another guy who was played really well. Carson Wentz. His first couple of years in the league. Carson Wentz was a near MVP. Now he's barely hanging on on his second team. He had a pretty is, is good that, year this year. He had a pretty good year, but did you see the Jacksonville game at the end of the year? Yeah, not great. Not great, Bob. But he had five interceptions? Not great, Bob. Four interceptions? But Actually, that, that's what I'm talking about is, is guys like him who have come in and done really well in their first couple of years in the league and then just disappear and end up becoming journeymen. Jared Goff. Going from team to team. Goff's another one. That's like that's what I'm afraid With a ton of. of physical talent. That's what, like, but that's what I'm afraid of is that he'll be, like, th- like that'll be the type of the type of quarterback that he ends up like. But I think Goff the difference from Bowl, him though. is true. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. And and disappeared in the Super Bowl. Right. That's where coaching comes into play, though. I mean, true. obviously you need some talent true. around them, but some of those quarterbacks, if they had better coaching or better systems, you know, maybe they'd be a little more successful. Like Kirk Cousins has the, some talent around him. I just think Mike Zimmer's. I mean, they you know they got rid of him, but yeah, then, I think he's a great coach. And and that's. I mean, I guess I, I guess that's that that's my. Like everyone's saying, he's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy. And 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 I'm like, uh, look look at all the weapons that Patrick Mahomes has around him. Oh yeah, but please, please. I, oh, I, I mean, he is he is a freak physically. But look at the weapons he's got around him too. Well, it's, it's all part of it. That's why it's called. I mean, a team he, game. he just take, do I want to throw it to future Hall of Famer? Travis Kelsey, or do I want to throw it to future Hall of Famer, who's who's the wide receiver that's really fast? And Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Tyree Hill. Do I want to throw it to him? Do I want to hand it off to this guy? I mean, he's just got an abundance of, of talent around him. You take all those guys away, suddenly he's not going to be that great anymore. Mm. He's, he's still going to be a really good quarterback, but I'm just saying he's not at that upper, yeah, upper just... echelon. I mean, Brady had a few years where he had no talent around him that he wasn't that good. Right, and um, that's, I guess, I mean, obviously, team game, but you look Aaron at... Aaron Rodgers has had a few of those years, too, where he hasn't had the talent around him, and he wasn't that good. You look at you look at quarterbacks around the league, and, you know, he's max the guy, max the guy, max the guy. Hypothetically, let's, I'm, I'm, this is going to be a fun, fun little game. Hypothetically, the Lions want out from Jared Goff. Would you take him instead of, instead of Mac? Not at this time, no. Would, yeah, I think it's too early. What about... Kirk Cousins. No, I wouldn't take anybody that's into their 30s. Because what are you going to get? You're going to get it. So you take get a couple of years out of. So would you, you take, take? Would you take a Russell Wilson? No, that no, that's the next part. Or an Aaron Rodgers. That's the next. That's yeah. the next part of it. I would definitely you? take either of those guys. Would, I know Rodgers yeah, probably at the end of his Russell career, Wilson, but. I, absolutely. Wilson, take I would. Him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take Rodgers. Oh, I would love Rodgers here. Rodgers no, he just, and Belichick. He, just, oh. he is such a. He is such a. Dink. Oh. oh, yeah. He definitely is, but I'd still t- I'd take him. Oh, But you're only going to get a couple of years That's out of him. That's the thing, right. is, that is, is, is do you, do you, do you sacrifice 
do you sacrifice for Belichick? And I, I don't see, I don't, I wouldn't put it past Belichick, honestly. A couple of seasons, maybe, maybe try and make another run, and then see you later. He's not going to want to pay either of those guys, no, so I don't right. think we have to worry right. about you're that. Right. You're right. And, and, and that's that. I was avoiding those names because those are the big, sexy names that are out there right now, and I was trying to avoid those. And, and talking about just like the middling guys who have the talent, and you know, you, you give a better coach to some of these guys. And you know, I'd be interested to see what Kirk Cousins could do with a good coach. Well, okay, let's talk about a good coach. Let's assume Josh McDaniels is still there. Mm-hmm. Right? We are we are we banking that on Belichick and McDaniels because beyond that, I'm not seeing a lot of good coaching on that team. Yes, yes. Offensively, it would be Belichick and McDaniels. Well, I think it's basically McDaniels. Truthfully, I think it's McDaniels. I think uh, Ivan Fears, the running back coach, I think he's retiring. He made some kind of speech at the end of the game, which led people to believe this was his last year. Yeah, you could have you could have given me. He, he's the only other quality coach I see on that squad. You could have given me five million guesses, and I never would have been able to tell you who the running back coach is for the New England Patriots. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, do, I mean, I don't even know I'm, who's the defensive coordinator. Oh, that's a trick question. But, but the yeah, who's yeah. But they haven't had one since Patricia left to go to Detroit. Well, he's back now, and I'm still willing to drive him to the airport. <laughs> but I, 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 that was assuming that it's that it's that it's Belichick and McDaniel's as the head coach and offensive coordinator. Does give has, has McDaniel's been rumored on any of these coaching vacancies as going for an interview? I have not heard his name. I don't think so. Bet. Mayo is the only name I've heard from the Patriots. Mm. And they're one of their executives to oh yeah to for the Ziegler GM job. Yeah, for a GM job. Yeah. yeah, they finally got a guy who could come in and do a good draft and Yeah, they're gonna get rid of him. Now he could be going. Yeah, smart. Smart. Good upper management too. Trickles down from the top. Is there any other things you want to talk about on the Patriots before we move on to the Celtics? And I actually am just gonna basically turn it over to Derek without him explain what the hell's going on with the Celtics. But any other thing on the Patriots, Derek? No, just looking. I'm very interested to see what's going to happen this offseason because they have a lot of free agents and a lot of notable free agents. Uh, so this team could look very different next year. Do you think McCordy's gone? I think if if Mayo is gone, McCordy may be gone. Do you think if Mayo gets another job, McCordy will follow him there? Depending on where he goes, potentially. McCordy could also follow Flores wherever he goes. I think if he was going to do that, he would have done that the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, everyone else did, basically. True. Yeah, and then half of them ended up coming back. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, it feels like I hate that that's where we're at with the Patriots now because I, I felt like that last season, like, okay, we got through this season. Let's see what they're going to do this offseason because they're going to have so much cap money. Can't wait. And now it's like, okay, this season happened. Now they're going to have so many free agents. Let's see what's going to happen for the offseason. I'm just like – that's it's frustrating that that's how that's where we're at with the Patriots. It's not uh, not Super Bowl season. I just I feel like I've been saying this for the last two years is they need to get younger and faster on defense, I, especially at the linebacker position. You're seeing it around the league that the, the linebackers linebackers are I mean it's basically linebackers and most outside linebackers and D, D ends and middle linebackers are basically interchangeable now. Like it's that's 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 what a lot of them do. They're rushing I think the it's more linebackers or, and strong safeties have been interchangeable. I feel like it's all because well, you've got because yeah, the, they're fast, the bigger safeties they're fast, that now yeah. are stepping into that linebacker role. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking of all the guys we were talking about earlier who could who could play like outside rush and then also play the and play in the middle of the field and 
It feels like they don't have, they don't, like, it feels like the game's changed and they haven't adjusted yet, doesn't it? Yeah. On defense. On defense. Yes. On defense. Yep, I agree. Even, I mean, maybe even on offense, too, because they don't really have those receivers, but whatever. Um, Celtics. Well, they definitely don't have the mobile quarterback that most of the league is moving towards. It's true. That's true. More mobile than their last. The uh, Celtics. Derek, just tell me what's going on here, please. I, 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 <laughs> I wish I, I knew. So let me tell, let me let me let me let me preface this by saying that I feel like the la- the last time we the last time we met in the actually no, it was the last time we met. I said I hadn't watched many Celtics games. I have since changed that because I I said to myself, if you're gonna talk about the Celtics, you need to watch the Celtics. So other than Christmas Day, I hadn't watched a Celtics game. Since then, I think I've watched all but one that has been played in the last two weeks. From start to finish? No, but because <laughs> I was going to give you a lot of credit. If most, you watched it from honestly, start to finish. honestly, I watched a, I've watched a lot of the games. So, uh, or, I mean, I'm not heading to sit down and say, okay, it's tip off. Let me let me watch this till it till it ends, and that didn't happen. But, but you know, it, it'd be. I'd watch two quarters, three quarters. By then, the, the game's over, so I shut it off and I have to watch the fourth. Or I wouldn't watch the first, and then I'd watch the second half or, or whatever. It's just so miserable. And not even for the shooting stuff. It's just the team's not fun to watch. It's not It's not, It's not. not good basketball. Anyway, I asked Derek to tell me what he thought, and then I just told him what I thought. So, Derek, please tell me what is going on with the Celtics team. <laughs> yeah, I wish I knew. I mean, I think it's a... A bunch of things. I think first and foremost, they need they need an upgrade in talent, right? They've got to figure out a way to get better players around Tatum and Brown, better shooting specifically. Um, but I mean, I think some of their other issues. I think Udoka is showing that he's inexperienced as a, a head coach, right? He there are just some games out there where just he just looks lost and doesn't really know what he's doing. And some of his comments in post game. Um, pressers have made me think like, wait, did he really just say that? Like maybe he, this guy doesn't have a clue. Um, but I mean, he, you know, maybe he'll figure it out. It's, I think it's still too early to, it's unfair to put a lot of blame on, on a first year head coach. Uh, but I think he's been, he's been a problem. Um, but I think Jason Tatum is near the top of the list. I mean, they're, they're sitting at 500 and Jason Tatum's having his worst shooting season statistically. I, I put this on Twitter last night. He's had 16 games this year where he's shot 20% or worse from three. And in five of those games, he's missed every single three that he's taken. If he has shot, if he shot, you know, 30% or or 25% in some of those games, they're six and 10 of those 16 games. Say they win like three or four of those games. This team looks completely different. You know, they're sitting at 26 and 20 or 27 and 19. And then they're right near the, the top of the standings. So, I mean, they obviously need an upgrade in talent. They need a, um, they need some more toughness. They need some better veteran leadership, but they need their best guys to just play better. If you had a, if you, if you're Brad Stevens right now and you had, so actually let me back up the trade block, the, the ipso facto trade block came out yesterday before the, before the, before the game. And they basically said, everyone's available except for, did you see this bill? Everyone's available except for three players. Yeah, I did. Tatum, Brown, Marcus, oh, nope. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Robert Williams, which love, love Robert Williams, and in my opinion, Jason Tatum. I don't know why Jalen Brown's on that list, but if you're Brad Stevens, as as, as Mr. Derek McVay, you're stepping in, Brad Stevens got COVID, so he can't show up, and they called you to, to take over before the trade deadline here. 
Would you move Tatum, Brown, or both? In 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 now, it doesn't necessarily have to be at this trade deadline because I feel like getting big trades done during the middle of the season is a little bit harder than during the off season. But would you move Tatum or Brown? Say for the start of next season. I I wouldn't touch Tatum. Like I know he's he's as as poorly as he's shooting. I think you're actually seeing growth in him as a player where he's starting to to make the right play. Like he's he's finding open guys, he's making great passes. Guys aren't hitting shots, which that that's not on his fault, but that's not his fault, but there's a a lot of instances where he is is making the the right play and you can see that kind of growth and and development. So with some better guys around him, I think um you might see the the team perform a little bit better. Brown I guess it would depend on on what the haul would be. I still think you got to keep those two together because they're just so young and like guys that this young. I know they've they've been in the league for a while and you know have been starters for a while, but guys don't win championships until they're like 25, 26. Like you look at Curry, LeBron, even Giannis. You know, last year these guys it takes a while to to win a title. So I still think they have to figure it out, and that's why I say surround them with some better veterans. Uh, to help them kind of navigate the ups and downs of an NBA season. So I, I still wouldn't move either of those two. So I was kind of shocked that Robert Williams was a, a no-go, because I think as awesome as he's playing, I mean, if someone's going to pay, like give you a, a king's ransom for him with his injury history and um, sometimes his unreliability of staying on the floor, I'd absolutely consider moving him. So I think he's your only big man right now. Big man of no, oh, for sure. So I know maybe that's an off-season transaction. So I don't, but I don't think you can do it right now. And and so you think that Jalen Brown is good enough to be the number two on a championship caliber team? Say a two or three. He's definitely a two. There's, he can't be a number one. He's got to be the the sidekick. Um, but I I think so. So if if in a perfect world. Because you need three, and I've said it last, said on the last show, you need three, three all-star caliber players in order to be even competitive. Arguably, three MVP type players to be competitive in, in in the NBA now. In a perfect world, where do you slot Tatum and Brown as a two and a three, as a one and a three, as a one and a two? What what it like? In other words, if they're going to bring in one more MVP, one MVP type, all-star type player, where should they be aiming? For a number one, for a number two, and let Tatum be the one. Or where do you see? What do you? What do you think? I'd say a two or a three. I think you let Tatum be the one. I think Tatum can absolutely be the number one on a, a championship caliber team. Um, and then you know whether Brown's a two or or you bring in a two and Brown's a three. I think that it's kind of irrelevant. I just think you bring in a two or a three to pair with with Tatum and Brown. Does it, and you'll be fine. Does it? Need I don't to... think you could. I don't think you could get a one if no, you no, no, didn't no. give up Tatum. No, you right. wouldn't get a one. You'd have to sign him in free agency, and that I wouldn't see that happening. So it would have to be a two. That's why I kind of said, I mean, I was kind of thinking Tatum's the one in this situation. Tatum's the guy. Tatum's the your best player. And then Brown, it's basically do you get someone who's in between them or do you get someone who's just below Brown and try and, and try and do it that way was basically the question. But the follow-up question, does it need to be a big? No, I think it needs to be a point guard. So they continue trying to do what they did when they brought in Kyrie Irving, and then when they, they brought in to fail Kemba that, Walker, yeah. and and so you know hypothetically Dame Lillard is the guy you're looking at something like that to bring in. I mean, yeah, if they could bring him in, that'd be. I mean, I understand he would be the one, but yeah, yeah, but yes, a point guard of of a certain caliber, yeah. Interesting. 
Is is the point guard really? I mean, the true position of point guard is it really that important anymore anyway? Because now you you've got center bringing it, up the ball. Yeah, but I think it depends. You know, it, it depends because because you look at is Steph Curry important? Because of his shooting, not right. as a point guard. He's a shooting yeah, guard. I guess I guess you're right. He's not the no. He's a point guard. Well, he may be a point guard, but it's his Clay's shooting. Clay's the shooting guard. I mean, if you're going to bring in a, a point guard who's going to be like a Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker. Oh, there you go. Or, or well, Kyrie Irving that's going to take podcast. the ball. He's going to take the ball away from Tatum or Brown. Then that's going to that's going to knock their game down. I think if you're going to bring in a point guard, you need a facilitator more than anything else, which is yeah. what Marcus Smart has like, been doing when he's been playing the point. Where's Rondo? Like a Chris Rondo. Paul. Like a Chris Paul guy. Bingo. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. He would be a perfect point yep. guard for these two. Oh, I, I think he's you... a veteran, pass first. Yeah, he'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, Phoenix I isn't letting you... him go. No. And how old is he now, anyway? Yeah, he's getting up there. Mm. I mean, he's he's that veteran leadership that you might need more than anything else. Be but careful. That's, he, might that's be in be... His, he might be in his mid-30s, so be careful. <laughs> <laughs> for basketball standards, he's getting up there. <laughs> right. he's, 30, he's 36. Yeah, he's ancient. Yeah, yeah forget about this guy. <laughs> But I think you need I, I think you need the big because when they're not hitting the three point shot, which seems to be more often than not, they just can't score. That's even harder to find. That's that's which which is why I think Williams has been deemed untouchable. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I mean, at least for the rest of this season, I, I I don't know about going forward, but at least for the rest of this season, I guess that makes sense. I mean, I would like him to stay around. I think talk about a guy who can bring energy and a guy who's physically physically gifted. I mean, it's he's he's been almost the he's been the most entertaining part to watch of the team. I was sick of watching Tatum with his his shoulder tattoo pull up for threes when he's got a clean lane to the basket, and Brown with his two different color shoes, stupid, <laughs> taking circus shots all over the place. And then Tatum complaining to the ref every time he puts up a shot yes. and it doesn't go in. So I was watching. I was. This is how this is how much I've watched the Celtics over the last couple weeks. I was watching the pregame show. Of the Celtics last night, and they did this extremely corny segment. By the way, I might I have my hatred for Jack Edwards. Brian Scalabrini might be very very close to to, to Jack <laughs> Edwards to Jack Edwards material. Brian um, Scalabrini has the uncommon ability to be to, a redhead to tell me exactly what I just saw. <laughs> That's that's great. Yeah. And here and here he and here yeah. Robert Williams he gets the rebound and he slams it home. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's it's like it's, Brian. I just saw that. That's like what that's like when play guy play by play by play guy say. And if you watch right there, that's like Tony Romo. NHL NHL play by play guys do a lot. They'll they'll say what the guy's gonna do. They'll be like, oh, Brad Marchand's about to he's gonna toe drag. You can watch it. It's right there. And it's like yeah, I I have eyes. Like thank thank you. I I know. I can see it. And thank you for thinking I'm even dumber by telling me when it happens. Different point. Different. I was watching the pregame show and they were doing this. It was this extremely corny. Don't even remember what the truck was, but some like supposed to be like tough truck, new truck that came out. I don't even remember what ZX4. I don't even who. I don't remember who makes it. Shows how good this segment was. Uh, but Scal gets into the truck and he's talking about it's a Ford. Ford. Fo- mm, nope. Yeah. I don't know. Nope. Ram. It's Irrelevant. Ram. Move on. 
I would listen. I like to get all of the facts correct. Okay, I like to make I'm sure. I'm losing interest. I like Move to on. make sure that I'm thorough. This corny statement. I mean, this corny segment that they have with Scal, where he's driving around in this thing and talking about the toughness that's coming around the league. And they touched on how Tatum was looking for fouls every single time that he touched the ball, and the league is calling it a little more lackadaisical this year. And he was, and Scal was saying that when when the season started, that Tatum was was you know. Not shying away from contact, but always coming up looking for the foul and maybe not going up as strong as he would because he knew he'd get the foul. And in past years, he'd get two shots. And now they're not calling it this year. And he's seen the adjustment over the last five, ten games. Now, I can't speak to the adjustment. Derek, you're going to have to. But but he, that was what Scal was saying. And it was actually a good point by, by Scal, which is very, very, very few and far between, if that's the case. So, Derek, is that the case? Uh, I mean, I definitely have seen he's definitely made a more concerted effort to to attack the basket. And I mean last night when you see him miss every single three that he takes, yeah, that's tough to watch. But he's definitely attacking the basket more. I think I want to say it was the the Pelicans game on on Monday. Um forget he might have had like twenty five or twenty six. Um but ever I think all but one of his shots he made were in the paint. Like he was he was consistently blowing by guys and getting to the basket. Um so yeah, I mean I think there's something to to what Scal's saying. But I think that's when they're best is when he's attacking the basket, oh, or when 100%. any when anybody is attacking the basket. It's Derek. Correct me if I'm wrong because I don't watch as much as you do, but it it seems to me like when Tatum is off the floor and they get more into an offensive flow, they at least move the ball better. Now maybe they don't have the guys that can finish at the rim or make the shots, but it seems to me they're working to get a good shot instead of just standing back and watch him playing iso ball. Yeah, the the ball movement's definitely better um, at times. I mean. The other teams have come out and said that the Celtics are easy to defend at times because they just run ISO with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. I was gonna say the ball That's seems you, the you ball seems point to, guard to come in. The ball seems to stall with Brown too. Like it, and, yep. and, and and I I I haven't watched enough to notice, but does it happen more when they're on the floor without each other as opposed to when it's when they're both on the floor? Does the ball move better or and then when one of them is off, then it becomes ISO ball or how do how do they how do they handle it, handle that part of it? It honestly comes comes and goes. Like there are times where they're both on the floor and the ball is moving around and they look great. And then there are times, usually in the fourth quarter, where that doesn't happen and it's just they continue to go one on one. Um, or like I mean, and Tatum and Brown when they're out there on their own, sometimes they're trying to do too much because of the guys that they're surrounded by. And other times the, the ball's moving well. So there's no like rhyme or reason. Uh, it's just for whatever reason, this team is consistently inconsistent. I think I notice it more when Tatum isn't on the floor and you've got a guy like Langford or Neesmith in and they move the ball better and they drive to the hoop, but then they just can't finish. You know, they don't have that scoring ability around the hoop. Mm. That's where you need, I would argue, that's where you need veteran leadership. And it's almost a, if the opposite of a perfect storm, a perfect storm in the wrong way, an imperfect storm, where you have minimal veteran leadership out there. I know you have Horford, but that isn't working. Part two of this of that saga is not working, but the but, but he's been playing well. It's not like ish, he hasn't been contributing. Ish, and from what I've seen, he's not really a factor to me when I watch the game. Well, all along, even when he was with the Celtics in the first go round, it was about you don't look at a stat sheet, you look at the other things that he brings. Yeah, that's a loser mentality. The <laughs> the. <laughs> The uh, the lack of veteran leadership and the rookie coach, to me, like like it, some if 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 
general manager McVeigh can notice it from sitting on his couch. How does the coach or a player not notice that they need to stop going to ISO ball? How did like? How, Weren't how you the do, guy last week who was saying the coach in the NBA doesn't matter? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. But when you have a young team, it does matter. Someone they needs have to a step young up. team, but it's not a talented team. Young team. It's not young. a team of first and second year players. These guys, you know, Tatum and Brown been in the league four, five years, five, six years. Yeah, still twenty two or whatever. They're still young, but they've been in the league for a while. Yeah. So someone like someone I, like Brad Stevens is going there and flip a buffet table or something. To get them to stop playing yeah, ISO ball. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't do it as a coach. I didn't do it as a GM. Wick Grosbeck needs to get down there and flip a buffet table. I could see that happening. And I don't know. It's like it, it just it's it, send it's, Kendrick Perkins in there. Yeah, flip perfect. a buffet table. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, fine, fine. I do want to say, as much as I can't stand Brian Scalabrini, Mike Gorman is a class act. That man is good at his job. He's very, very good at calling a basketball game. Do you know how long he's been doing it since before you were born? I believe it. That man is that man is is a a, a professional's professional. That one, very very. That's why talented. he's in the Hall of Fame. Very very talented. Derek, any other points you want to bring up about the Celtics? No, I mean, look, it's I think where they are what they are at this point. They're I'm interested to see what they do at the trade deadline. Oh, um, oh, they just made a trade. <laughs> they just made a an trade. actual trade. They an made a trade. trade. Not a not a luxury tax trade. No, so they probably, they they just keep pushing that tax. That what is it? Player exemption. What is it? What is the trade exception? A trade exception. Yeah. Just keep kicking it down the line. They're that's gonna be like the new draft picks. They're just gonna keep kicking uh-huh. it down the line. Uh, ball ball. That's what they brought in. Ball ball. Yeah, neither of those guys will be on the team next year, or even by, by the end of the year they might get traded and. Another another deal. Well, they'll just keep kicking that trade exception down the line. They're all just I mean, they're salary cap slots. They're both what? They're both hurt. I mean, Bull Bulls hurt. Uh, PJ Dozier tore his ACL in November, so like neither one of them can play for like another few months anyway. Mm-hmm. Yep, clean up that salary cap, baby. <laughs> keep clearing cap. We'll be talking about that trade exception when LeBron's kid gets traded after his first contract. Book it. That's when it'll still be on the books. Uh, anything? So nothing else. You're good on the Celtics. Yeah. Bruins. Anything on the Bruins? I don't watch enough to comment on them. Perfect. Excellent. I actually watched a few games and I thought they were looking pretty good, and then <laughs> turned on the Carolina game the other night, and it was Great. like, what happened here? Well, Tuga did not play so well. It did not go as well in his second start as it did in his first start. Five goals in the first period. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta go with that. Not great. Not, not great, Bob. Not great. Uh, minor breaking news in the uh, in the MLB. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, just just caught a little notification. It's not Red Sox news per se, but it is uh, major news and has nothing to do with the lockout. So I don't even know if it's it's a, it's that they're allowed to talk about baseball. Are we allowed to talk about baseball? Baseball is in a lockout. We we can talk about baseball. Oh, okay, good. All right. You know I can always talk about baseball. <clears throat> breaking news: MLB to experiment. That's always fun. That's a good way to start. I'm going to be to experiment with automated strike zone in highest minor league level. Robot umpires to be used in AAA. Interesting. I can't say I like it. Oh, I love it. No. Oh, I love it. I cannot. Nothing irks me more than when a pitch is most clearly a strike and an umpire calls it a ball. Speaking as a former high-level pitcher, nothing drives me 
more insane than a perfectly thrown backdoor slider or curveball that gets called for a ball. On the flip side, as a high-level hitter, baseball hitter, nothing drives me more insane than when a pitch is six inches or seven inches off the plate and gets called for a strike three. Nothing in this world. So the fact that that will be corrected, I don't mind it. Don't mind it. I understand I the human hope- element, blah, blah, blah. I was born in 1955. I get it. I understand. the, the 62. I know. I know what year you were born, but I wasn't giving it away. It's not I, a secret. I, 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 you know, I, I was, I was, I was born in. Was that Red Sox poster say behind you? I was born in 1901. It's the, it's the, it's, the, it's the authenticity of the game. It's the human element. Who cares? As long as, as long as it's right at the end of the day, we've already implemented replay. So who cares? As long as it's right. Yeah, and and look how that's corrupted the game. Has it corrupted anything? Uh, it- it is. It's not being used in the spirit that it was intended. What when a, you're when you're taking three minutes to review a play because a guy may have come off the base for a nanosecond with a where the fielder still had the tag on him. That's the rules. Sorry. You're not on the base. Sorry. You're out. I'll tell you who would love to have who would love to have had a uh, re- video replay back in the day is Armando Galarraga. So no, it's it's it, it's yeah, better for, for the game. One of those that would have corrected an injustice you've you've got it just slows down the game too much imho in my humble opinion which is never very humble it's better for the game it's better that it's called correctly it's better that it's it's better that it's balls and strikes i feel i feel the exact same way and also it might freaking speed up the game it has the potential to speed up the game calls you call so because if you if you, so? if you have a borderline, you can't argue pitch, balls and strikes, so it's not like that. Yeah, but yeah, but how many time. times have you seen a borderline pitch go against the pitcher, and it should have been should have been called a strike, and it goes against the pitcher, and then he just unravels and gives up ten runs, and then we're sitting there for 15, 30 minutes longer because the umpire didn't call a strike three with two outs. How many times have you seen that happen? And how many times do you see a strike three call to end an inning when I feel like it happens the could more the other way. Going on. I feel like it happens yeah. more the other way. Maybe it's because of the high-level situations that those are in, but I feel like it happens more than the Were these the same high levels that you used to play at? Huge levels. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Astronomical levels. Mm-hmm. I must have missed those games. <laughs> yeah, I was on the West Coast, so I just, uh, you know. Oh, were, okay. Yeah, they were late gotcha. games. They were late. You know. Late games, I was yep. already in bed. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. Derek, your thoughts gotcha. on uh, automated umpires or my high-level pitching? I'll take your word for it in the high-level pitching. <laughs> <laughs> He, um, he was a good pitcher and a good hitter. I'll, I'll give him that. I'm, I'm more questioning the level. Shohei Otani. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before I was left-handed though, but a little, double lefty. <laughs> um, I mean, the I guess I'm just more intrigued to see how it goes and like to see if how reliable the the technology is. I mean, if the calls are going to be accurate like 100 percent of the time, or is there still going to be Know, glitches or, or something like where there's subjectivity to it. I don't know. I'm just interested to see how it plays out. Doesn't it I know of... in the lower minor leagues, they still had to have an umpire back there because you could have had a situation where the ball hit the dirt and bounced up it through the strike zone and would have been called a strike. So you you still need some human interaction. Yeah, no, you could you could just have a little buzzer on his chest like Altuve wore, and if it was a strike, he gets a little zap. He calls it a strike, and then and then but if it bounces, everybody knows that. I mean, it's it's clear as day. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying you still have to have yeah, no, no, no. Some guy standing. What you could do, you know, what you could do. You need somebody for that. You know what you could do is go the old uh, the old t-ball route and have the umpire stand behind the pitcher's mound in between the in between second base and the pitcher's mound in that little area there. Just put the the lawn chair back there, like wiffle ball style, and <laughs> that'll be easy enough. Love it, actually love it. Um, it was something... pitch back. That's what we used to have back in the day. Yeah, the yeah, no kidding, the little square. 
with yeah. a strike zone. Yeah, like a net. Yeah, the a net right there. From past history, it seems like as long as it doesn't go completely terrible in the in the minor leagues, it eventually becomes imp- implemented into the big leagues. Because you start with the time clock, then the then the three batter minimum big, start in the minor league. Big leagues don't have the time clock. Yes, they do. I no, mean, they don't. Not yet. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Oh, I'm thinking about in between, in between innings. In between innings, they do. Yeah, not between pitches though. You're talking about the 20 second. Yeah, I was, I was, I was. But yeah, now, now that I'm thinking about yet. it, it's it's the in between innings, the warm ups, and that kind of stuff that now has the timer. The three the three pitcher minimum did not start in the minor leagues. Video replay it probably did. Video replay started in the minor leagues. Replay, I don't think replay started as a just fair or foul thing. I thought it started in the major in the leagues, minors. and then I they thought, expanded it to other plays. I thought they they when the expansion because they don't came, have the cameras on the minor league games like they do on the major league. Yeah, games. but as far as as far as uh, working out the kinks, I thought that they did it in the minor leagues first. I still don't think they've worked out all the kinks. Shows how much I know about baseball, I guess. <clears throat> I'd rather see them address issues like the shift, nah, calling the strike zone that. consistently. You know, maybe I'll give you that one: calling the strike zone consistently. That that is one thing I would like to see. That'd be nice. Yeah, then I, mean, I think you see, that, change, you see a change see, every half inning. Yeah, and then I think you'll see a more consistent offensive performance once once the hitters get to know what the strike zone is and it's consistent all the time, not going you know changing with each umpire. But then you wouldn't have a guy like Kurt Schilling keeping an encyclopedia in the dugout on which umpire is calling which pitches. I could probably do without anything, Kurt Schilling, if I'm being honest. While we're talking about Kurt Schilling, the Hall of Fame announcement is coming up Monday. Uh, he is in his last year on the ballot, so I'm guessing you are a no vote. His last year, Barry Bonds' last year, Roger Clemens' last year, David Ortiz's first year. All four should get in. All four. I mean, David Ortiz will get in. I'm not worried about that. Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling should probably all be in. Schilling, on the field, Schilling should be in. Character. That's what you should be voting on. I understand, and that's why I'm saying he should be in. So it shows my character is a clause. Character is a clause. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think that there's probably worse people who are in the Hall of Fame. Oh, for sure, Ty so, Cobb. Yeah, so Ty Cobb killed a man. So Ray Lewis, but yeah, I would I would say that I would say that they all three of those guys should be in, and I will say it's honestly a shame that all of them are in already. But that's a different conversation for a different day. The fact that Barry Bonds is not in the MLB Hall of Fame but is the MLB all-time home run leader is a joke. It's a joke. So this goes back to this goes back to being born in 1901 and not changing the game. It's the integrity of the game. Old-time baseball fans, the worst, worst, worse than Marcus Smart Bobos, the worst. I've come around on Bonds and Clements, the steroid users. Especially Bonds and Clemens, because you have the argument they were great players allegedly long before they started taking steroids. I just I so I, I've come around on those guys. Pete Rose, I I'm still nope against good him getting good in. player. It's a good player. It's a good player. Should be in the Hall of Fame. I, you're not going to just said it. Those are the rules. He broke the rules. I understand. I understand. I understand. I get it. I get it. And I I, I think Pete Rose should be. Answer this question. The Hall of Fame is is there to recognize the best players of the sport the all-time greats is pete rose one of the all-time great baseball players he's one of he is the all-time hits leader pete rose should be in the hall of fame that's to me that's black and white 
To me, that so, is. So are the signs they put up in Major League clubhouses that yeah. say, okay, you cannot you think, bet on Major League. Do you, you honestly bet on think in the history of the game that he is the only one that ever bet on the game? No. no actually, because of the White Sox did it. The whole team did it, didn't they? Right. That's why those signs are up. Because okay. Of the, so do you think Sox. even now, to this exact moment, right now, do you think there's not one player in Major League Baseball who gambles on the game? Of course there are. Okay, so I don't care. Just it's just like. But he was stupid enough to get caught. Well, that's that's his own fault, as far as I'm concerned. Well, but yeah. he still deserves yeah. to be in the Hall of Fame. He's still one of the best players of all time. He has an all-time hits record. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. If if you, again, if someone who has a murderer, a, a, a murderer can be in the Hall of Fame, you can be in the Hall of Fame for putting a little scratch on the game, as far as I'm concerned. And in the steroid era, give me a break. Everybody was doing it. Give me a break. Give me a break. The whole league was doing it, and everybody freaking knew it. It's just like pine tar. The whole league Even does it. Everybody knows it. Thinking we're using it like a Rafael Palmero, were found out to be using it. Oh, shocking! Shocking. Yeah, well, that's that, the I'm whole league, both I'm sides. Point, which is why I've come around on the steroid guys. I get really worked up about the steroid. Some of the guys. steroid guys, not all of the steroid guys. Some of the steroid guys. Like Mark, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Meh, meh. Couple you, couple good years. Maybe they, maybe they, they probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. You want to know Barry, why Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame? Because he's been intentionally walked with the bases loaded. That's why Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. How can you? Like, yeah, because he was on steroids. What, does it matter? Because he was on the juice. Just think about that for a second. Think about a professional pitcher decided, I'm not going to pitch to this guy because I don't want to give up four runs. I'd rather just give up one. That's not a test. That's not even a testament to his home run hitting ability. That's a testament to his hitting ability in general. The guy deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. It's a shame he's on his last. It's a, it's a, it, it's a shame he wasn't a first ballot. Honestly, truthfully, it's a shame. Shame. No, he, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I will give you that. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., your favorite player of all time. Probably on steroids. He was probably on steroids. Look at all the injuries. Probably on steroids. Yep. Probably but it was on just steroids. Never proven. Am I naive? Yet he was not only a first ballot Hall of Famer, he came very close to being the first unanimous selection. Am I naive? I say, oh, no, no way. The Griffey during the steroid era no, wasn't think, on steroids. I don't think he can be naive. And, and bulked up like crazy over the last five, six years of his career and had a bunch of injuries, ligament injuries and that kind of Hmm. All telltale signs. All the signs were there. But no, we, were, we didn't care. We didn't care because he had a cool little wiggle. Well, we sure as hell didn't care about McGuire and Sosa when they were having that home run at race the time. In, what was that? Ninety eight. Ninety nine. Because ninety nine baseball. It was ninety nine because they had the they had the home run derby at Fenway. That was the year that the McGuire. That hit. was the year that they were both chasing. I 61. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it was around that time, and nobody cared about it then. Everybody, Major League Baseball knew what was going on. Looked the other way because it was so good for the sport. Saved the sport at that. Oh time. no, you're right. It was ninety eight. Ninety eight. And then 99, McGuire put on a show. McGuire and Griffey put on a show yeah. at, at Fenway. At the, right. At the Home Run Derby. Right. Everybody puts on a show at the Home Run Derby. Now, well, now they do because the balls are juiced. I mean, they're not only that, juiced, the balls are juiced. The, back then it wasn't really like that. But anyway, Derek P. Rose, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, I think if he were like, and I don't know, maybe he was, maybe I don't know enough about his, his background, but I think if he were purposely throwing games – that's one thing, but if he's just like betting, I don't know. I don't see the harm in it. From my understanding, he did bet on his own team games. Yeah, but was he like? But I don't think he was throwing games. I don't think that. I don't Allegedly, think that he never bet against his team. Yeah. I mean, there's some, I, mean, I guess if he were it, like purposely. Yeah. Purposely, but, but could he games. have managed? 
could he have managed differently in the team in the games that he did bet on so that yeah. they would win, which was to the detriment of his team later on. You know, maybe he yeah. used pitchers in that game that he should have saved for the next day just because he yeah. bet on the team. Yeah. Like he used, his, he used his closer two nights in a row because of it or something like that. Maybe. It, it just affects the integrity of the game. I don't Is the dis- game I, on the up and up? I do not disagree with that, and I don't I don't disagree with the fact that they shouldn't be able to, to bet on their on their sport. But I, don't, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Same should thing it, with should an NBA referee be able to bet on games? No. Remember that scandal? Yeah, that, of that course. That just went away a yeah, few well, years ago. Yeah, well, Tim, people just... Tim, Donaghy. Yeah, people just move on and find the next thing to complain about, so it didn't really matter at that point. Another idiot who I'm sure it, ha- it happens in every sport. There's no way. There's no way to. that people I'm don't sure gamble it does. in their own sports. There's no way on their own teams. You have insider information. There's no way you don't. There's no way you don't. Bet. You don't take advantage of that. I'm sorry. There's not. Your football team. You know that your starting quarterback like. All the weeks that that what's his name for the Ravens might come back or might not. You know, lineman on the Ravens knows that his quarterback's not playing. Sees the line shift in their favor. Put a little money on it. I could see it. But then well, I mean, maybe we really I think got it, off topic, didn't we? No, not really. This isn't bad. <laughs> I mean, Derek's like, I'm starving. I gotta go. But, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not too bad. But anyway, we'll wrap it up, Derek. Uh, where can people find you on social media? At McVeigh 34, you can watch me complain about the Celtics. I live for the McVeigh. From moving from one mediocre team to the next. For the McVeigh negativity tweets, live for it. Love. I read the <laughs> read the Jason Tatum tweet last night. Loved it. Love it. I was hoping you'd bring it up, and you did. Perfect. Excellent. Bill, do you want to give your social media plugs? This is something I started doing on the Bleed Black and Gold podcast, letting everybody do their own social media plugs. Yeah, I'm at B Travers underscore syn on twitter look at that absolutely incredible you can find the boston sports syndicate all of their information articles from derek from bill um, and some of our other podcasts like the bleed black and gold podcast and also the competitor to the boston sports syndicate show the beantown breakdown Um, also another podcast that we started with a couple young guys who have a different view on sports than we do because they're younger they probably love the automated um umpire calls you can find that on www.bostonsportssyndicate.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, at Boston Sports SYN. You can go to our website and click the little shop, uh, little shop tab. It'll take you over to our merchandise section. You can get yourself a mug, a glass, T-shirt, hoodie, hat, whatever you whatever you're in the mood for. You can also head to SeatGeek.com, save yourself twenty dollars off a fifty dollar purchase by using code BSS at checkout. And you can save yourself 20%? I remember. This is good. 20%? Manscaped? Yeah, 20%. 20%. And free shipping worldwide. And free shipping on every purchase. Worldwide. Use code BSS at checkout. I think that pretty much covers everything. Derek, as always, pleasure to have you. Have to have you again as the Celtic season winds down. Maybe the trade deadline. We'll see. Oh, wow. Is he tapping out more? I don't know. Is he, are you, are you, (laughs) I think he might have it backwards. I don't think he really, like, like Derek, thank you for joining us. And I think he, there he is. We found him. Derek. 
Yeah, sorry guys. I think I was I started to move, and I think that was the the floor creaking. <laughs> he was running away. <laughs> I thought you were in distress or something. <laughs> SOS. Yeah. No, seriously. Thank you for joining us. It's always, always, always a pleasure. And uh, Bill, thank you for putting up with me again. And uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Boston Sports. Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. After 39 long years, the Cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Diving to the goal line. A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. Number 17, soon to be raised to the This is our f***ing city.